touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have some listener mail to get through. This comes to us from uh, Josh via Facebook, who says, Greetings. I've recently quit smoking cigarettes after 12 years, but after abstaining for six months, my savior has come under fire. I'm speaking about e-cig vaporizers, of course. Please do an episode on it. Uh, first of all, Josh, well done. Yes, for the, congratulations. For the under fire pun as well. Oh, well, I was talking about quitting smoking, <laughs> that, but that, that's, that that's also, fine too. Also, I mean, it's as we're going to discuss, that is not an easy thing to do. And uh, before we get into this episode, we have a couple of articles I want to I want to mention at the top because um How Stuff Works has got some great stuff on here if you really want to dig down deep and read these articles. Uh they they're really well done, so check them both out. One is on how electronic cigarettes work by Susan Cassidy, and another is how nicotine works by Maria Tremarchi and Anne Meeker O'Connell. Both of those are going to be articles that we'll be referencing throughout this uh, episode. And the reason for that is because we kind of need to talk about lots of different factors here, not just the technology involved. Right. So first, electronic cigarettes. E-cigs, yes. Uh, they, they are electronic cigarettes or smokeless cigarettes or vapes, which you vape yeah. while you are vaping. Yeah, vapes vapes tend... Va- vaporizing. Yeah, yes. vaporizing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but although people will call call it vaping. Yeah, vapes tend to be the name of uh usually the the either the e liquid, which that's also a thing, which is essentially your your liquid uh nicotine liquid smoke yes. stuff. It's not really electronic liquid. Yeah. Um, Nor does it always have nicotine in it, mm-hmm. but we'll get to that as well. But some people refer to the actual devices as vapes. It's kind of a weird. It's a nomenclature. Yeah. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's this whole culture thing. Uh, there are people on House of Works staff who have used these electronic devices in various ways. So um, I have gotten to see ones that are shaped like a pipe, which I had never yeah. seen before. Yeah. I had seen them that look kind of like electronic, you know, cigarettes, like maybe even cigarettes in the long electric, the long cigarette holder. So you can look like you are uh, a caricature off the cover of The New Yorker, uh-huh. um, except that you have a little LED light at the end instead of an actual ember. So. You probably have seen these. They are these. Usually they, they look like uh, some form of cigarette or pen or something. So two people put in their mouths. They inhale and they puff out a little bit of what looks to be smoke, usually. But uh, how recent is this idea? I mean, it only came out like a like like a year or two ago, right? Uh, 1963. Was it to what? Uh, yeah, although they became popular recently, the idea goes back until uh, 1963. April 17th specifically is when a patent was filed. Yep. And for a, or granted, I suppose. No, it was filed. Filed, yeah, okay. It wasn't until, I think, 66 that it was granted, but it, it was for a smokeless non-tobacco cigarette, which is essentially uh, the ancestor to the e-cigs we see today. Not, not that I... I don't know of any that were produced based off this first design, but it had the same basic components, um, not not designed the same way as today's e-cigarettes, but the same you know elements that you would find in the ones of today. Uh, right. This modern movement started as an industry in China. Yep. Um, NPR credits the inventor as being one Han Lick. Right. Yeah. Han Lick. He used um, a, a cartridge that had liquid nicotine mixed in a propylene glycol solution. 
We'll talk a little bit more about propylene glycol in a second. Mm-hmm. Fun stuff. Uh, and put that in an electronic device and called it essentially the equivalent of an electronic cigarette. The market, um, it was successful in China, you could say. It was incredibly successful. So in the early to mid-2000s, it got, um, well, it, it really made a name for itself. And then it started to expand beyond the Chinese market. Uh, right. They were introduced in the U.S. market in 2007 and have become really huge. The market is worth over $2 billion per year, according to some estimates. Yikes. All right. So before we talk about the, the technology, let's talk about nicotine itself and what, what it does. Sure. What happens when you when you smoke a nicotine cigarette? When you inhale nicotine in one form or another. Good question. So with a with a classic cigarette, what you do is you've got tobacco, right? That's your basic plant. Mm -hmm. And the nicotine is released in the smoke generated by burning that tobacco. So by inhaling the smoke, you are transmitting that that nicotine into your system, transferring it, I guess I should say, rather. So it gets absorbed through the mucosal linings in the nose, mouth and lungs when you inhale this. And then the nicotine travels through the bloodstream to the brain. There, it has a party time uh, with your adrenal glands to produce epinephrine, also known as adrenaline. Any of you guys out there who are big fans of the Stuff You Should Know podcast have heard those guys talk about adrenaline a lot. You know, this is the whole fight or flight reflex thing. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing that really fuels that. So, uh, yeah, same sort of stuff here. As a result, you have some other physiological effects take place, including an increase in your heart rate and blood pressure. And it stimulates dopamine production. Uh, dopamine being the neurotransmitter that controls the pleasure center in your brain. Yeah, this would be one of those reasons why people who crave a cigarette get that calming effect. They get that pleasure released when they are smoking a cigarette. It's not just that uh, it feels like they're doing something familiar, although that may play a part, too. Mm-hmm. It's that they're literally releasing a neurotransmitter that affects the pleasure center of the brain. Now, nicotine does not have to necessarily be inhaled. It can be absorbed through other means, like in the gastrointestinal tract or through the skin, which is why you have things like nicotine gum and nicotine skin patches for people who are trying to break themselves of the habit of smoking. Now, it's a stimulant, but like I said, smokers talk about the calming effect it has when they're craving a cigarette. Which may partially be a a ritual more than anything else. That whole routine of of whatever steps a a smoker goes through before they light up, because this is a very ritualized. It's part of the habit. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you might see people who are tapping their cigarettes a certain number of times. All these sort of these things are comforting because they are ritualized. On top of that, you have that dopamine release that also has that calming effect. Mm -hmm. And. When you get down to it, nicotine is an incredibly addictive drug. Uh, as addictive as like heroin and cocaine. Yeah. Uh, you probably have heard that before in health class or, or science class. It is absolutely true. It is. And we're now we're not saying necessarily that it has the same uh, uh, effect on your system as those other drugs, but it's certainly as addictive. Right. So once you have developed this physical and psychological addiction to a uh, a substance, when you get that substance, like if you're craving that substance and you get it, then you feel a, a relief, even if it's a stimulant. Uh, right. And nicotine by itself is not necessarily the worst thing for you, but getting it through tobacco smoke is pretty nasty. Yeah, because you've got a lot of other things in cigarettes besides just the nicotine. And that's where you see things like toxins and carcinogens that will cause health problems down the road for a lot of people. So uh, while nicotine itself may not necessarily 
have that toxicity or carcinogenic property. The stuff that goes along with regular cigarettes certainly does. Uh, so we all know smoking's bad for you. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially because smokers themselves seem to know it. As of 2011, according to a report that was put out by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, almost 70 percent of adult smokers surveyed said that they wanted to quit. And some 42 percent reported having attempted to quit in the previous year. But how how do you go about breaking such a strong psychological and physiological habit? Now, this is why we saw the rise of things like nicotine gum and nicotine skin patches, because that was all meant to kind of help people first get rid of cigarettes. Right. But they still need to have that nicotine uh, uh, release or else they are having these terrible we'll go cravings. Through withdrawal. Yeah. And it, the more you go through withdrawal, the more likely you are to go back to a bad habit. So that was meant to try and help them transition off to eventually wean themselves off of nicotine entirely. That was the idea. Unless you're Sherlock and you decide that you need like three or four of them on you at a time in order to really think clearly. By the way, do not do that. That is a terrible idea. Yeah, no, not, you, not recommended. You can, by the way, this is a bit of a spoiler alert for later in the podcast. You can suffer nicotine poisoning and it is serious stuff. Yes. Anyway. So e-cigarettes are a little different, you know, because it all depends on how, first of all, they were marketed for a really long time as a means for people who are smokers to wean themselves off of cigarettes and go to e-cigarettes, which would be, in theory, safer. Better. Right. Yeah. I, I believe in the United Kingdom, they can only be sold and, and marketed, furthermore, as a device for smoking cessation. Interesting. And we'll talk more about why that's interesting in a minute. But yeah, so some people are using this as a way of quitting smoking. Some people are using it as sort of a, just a transition, like a lateral move. Mm -hmm. Like they're not going to quit. They're but just they're saying they're saying, well, I've heard that this is safer than real cigarettes. So I'm yeah. going to switch to this. And there's also some concern uh, that this could be uh, enticing people to start smoking because of the perceived safety benefit. Right. Right. The idea that, oh, I can do this cool thing and I don't have all those downsides of like lung cancer. That's awesome. Sign me up. Well, hold on folks, because we got to talk about everything here. Also, we should mention not all uh, e-cigarettes use nicotine in their um, in their cartridges. Right. Some of it is more of a flavored liquid mixture. So you're breathing in flavored vapor, but there could be other issues with that as well. So anyway, now we've laid the groundwork. It's about time to talk about how these things work. All right. So these are electronic cigarettes. That means there's going to be certain components that you would expect right off the bat, right? Uh, some kind of electronics. Yeah. And electronics have to have power. So therefore, there's got to be a power source, which means I mean, you're not going to see someone plug in a cigarette and stand next to an outlet all day, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, not all day. I mean, some of them are rechargeable, so you can technically sort of USB plug them into an outlet. Sure. But at any rate, there, there's a battery involved in, in this cigarette-looking thing. Right. Um, and, you know, essentially they, they convert this liquid, possibly liquid nicotine, into a vapor, which the user then inhales. Right. And the way it converts liquid into a vapor, you know, that we kind of just sort of gloss over it. But no, the way it's actually working is there's a heating element inside these devices. Normally, you've got some sort of wick that wicks in liquid. Mm -hmm. And then wrapped around that wick is a heating element, like a, a coil of wire. Okay. Now, we've talked about electric resistance a lot, right? 
Resistance is when you are passing a current through something, it resists that, and you lose some energy in the form of heat. Uh, and this case, something that's a heating element is designed to heat up. It's meant to have a high resistance so that it uh, heats up very quickly with just a little bit of power running through it, a little bit of electricity running through it. So this heating element heats up very quickly, converting that liquid into a gas, which then you can inhale. Uh, and it's supposed to warm it up. So it's a one, it's supposed to be a pleasant sensation. And two, it's supposed to kind of mimic the feeling you would have if the you were inhaling a smoke. Cigarette. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, fire has it's heat. Warm. Yeah, turns out. I have to remind myself of that frequently. Yeah. Hot things are hot. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's ever been burnt by something like this, you you remember it. So that, that little element, that heating element that turns the liquid into a vapor is usually called an atomizer. Uh, this is something that you often will hear used in, in lots of different uh, products, not just a heating element. An atomizer doesn't have to have heat. Uh, right, it's just... Turning something from a liquid into a vapor. Yeah, into some sort of vapor or mist, usually t- by making a liquid into very, 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 very tiny droplets. Right. So like like an old, like an a perfume bottle has mm-hmm. an atomizer in it so that it can convert the liquid perfume into a mist spray. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so similar sort of thing here, except we also have the heating element. Now, generally speaking, this whole process is usually triggered by a change in pressure meaning that when you're sucking on this electronic cigarette, that's when it generates the vapor. It's it's the key. So you've got a sensor in there that's more or less detecting a drop in pressure, which indicates someone's taking a puff. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's doing it. You could have electronic cigarettes where it doesn't do it based upon when you puff. It could have a button on it and then you inhale. But in general, the most of the ones I've seen are... Uh, responsive to that, that, uh, to that pull. To that yeah. Pressure. Because it's, cause yeah. it's like, again, trying to mimic what an actual cigarette is like. Mm-hmm. So now in smoke tobacco, that nicotine, it's found in the smoke itself, but e-cigs don't actually create smoke. You're not burning anything. Mm-hmm. So since you're not burning anything, then you can't have smoke. Now, anyone who's seen or used an e-cig has seen that kind of cloud that looks like smoke come out. And you might be thinking, What's up with that? If it's not creating smoke, where's the stuff coming from? Oh, well, we've already talked about it a little bit. It's it's a vapor and not yeah. vapor as in I've got the vapors. No, but... the, the, I can explain to anyone who's not from the South what the vapors are. <laughs> uh, but it is it is a polite way of saying that you're having some uh, you're having some issues. So this is a vapor that is made from propylene glycol, which is the stuff in fog machines. Wait a minute. I've been told more times than I care to admit not to breathe in the fog <laughs> generated by these fog machines. It's actually been approved as a food additive by the FDA um, because it's a it's a nice stable solvent for stuff like food coloring and flavoring. And uh, one of its physical properties is that it vaporizes into a fog when it's heated or briskly shaken. It also it also absorbs water, so it's used to maintain moisture levels in some medications and foods and cosmetics. Mm. Um, it's furthermore, FYI, a component of antifreeze and some de-icing solutions. Uh. It's a solvent in some paints and plastics, and it's used to make polyesters. Uh, but that doesn't mean that your e-cigarette is filled with antifreeze. They just share a common component. Right, which is interesting because uh, we have a study we'll be talking about where one of the things they found as uh, a study by the FDA was saying that there was a chemical in there that was found in antifreeze. And I wonder if it was this one, because if it were, that's not that's a little misleading. 
Yes. It's kind of like saying that a derivative of formaldehyde has all the properties of formaldehyde. <laughs> and it doesn't. <laughs> and it doesn't. Or, or it's like saying like, well, this carbon based thing is made with carbon, which. Which is bad. Is or, bad. Or good. In other times. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. It's, it's far too simple. The, the, the answer to this question is always look deeper. All right. So these cartridges can contain the nicotine or be nicotine free. And the thing is that manufacturers can actually tweak exactly how much nicotine is in a cartridge. So theoretically, they could make a line of different cartridges with different amounts of nicotine in each different version. And, and they certainly do sell cartridges with with that are marketed as having different amounts of nicotine in them, which so that you can step down. Exactly. Yeah, you can you can start to or wean, step up if that's your thing. I, yeah. I, mm. The intent is to step down, but. You know, hypothetically, we, we've got some people out there who are real go getters. But the idea is to step down so that you can wean yourself off of cigarettes entirely, uh, mo- mostly to wean yourself off nicotine entirely. We should right. be more specific, obviously. Yes. So um, you can also just make it flavored. So some of the flavors in there are things like you can get caramel or coffee or apple or Earl Grey tea or I mean, there's there's yeah. lots of different ones. Yeah. When you go into a vape shop. They will often have an entire wall dedicated to different flavors. This, by the way, has created some uh, some questions recently in in legal circles. We'll get to that about how how these flavors may or may not be a good idea. So what about health concerns? We know the health concerns with cigarettes. We've got decades and decades of research. Uh, yes, it, I think it goes back to the 1930s or yeah. so. And since this is a relatively new product on the mass market, unfortunately, the answer is that we don't know what the health effects may be. Yeah. In fact, there are we're not saying there are no studies out there. What we're saying oh, yeah, people is people are working on it. Most of the studies that are out there are either inconclusive or they conflict with each other. So drawing oh, well, a conclusion and, is hard to to come to. And at any rate, the studies have only been running since at best the the mid 2000s. Right. So first, there's a lot we don't know. The mm-hmm. World Health Organization, WHO, part of the UN, has been looking into it, but no conclusive findings. Um, there's there, and then there's the issue. The FDA has done some studies on various cartridges. This is the one I was talking about earlier that mm-hmm. showed that ingredients that were listed were not always what you got in the actual cartridge. They would test the, the the chemicals within the cartridge and then see if it matches up with what was essentially on the list of ingredients. And they said that the concentrations didn't match up all the time. So sometimes you got more or less nicotine than what was being advertised or that you were even getting other chemicals that were not listed on the ingredients at all, including some toxins. Uh, in this case, uh, one of the ones they mentioned was it's one that's found in antifreeze. And that made me wonder if it was the... the the, the fog stuff. Right. Uh, at any rate, I mean, the pro- it's interesting to me that the FDA put out this study because the FDA does not regulate yeah. this liquid. There's still a lot of debate on whether or not the FDA will. Uh, it confuses me. I mean, granted, there's not necessarily nicotine in everything, but they did find that even some of the ones that said there was no nicotine in it, there was totally nicotine in it. Um so, again, this is a case by case basis. It's not yeah. like, you know, you can't point to the entire industry and say this is a problem. It may just be something that a couple of different manufacturers have issues. with. Oh, sure. I mean, but but part of the problem is that there are tons of manufacturers out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's no standardization here. Uh, there can be lots of different types of cartridges and atomizers. Uh, the atomizer can affect how much of a given chemical you inhale per puff versus just the, the cartridge itself. So it could be. 
that there's just a component inside the e-cigarette that is causing people to get either more or less of mm-hmm. a particular chemical per puff than what was intended. Uh, so there's a lot of, lot of variables here, and that's part of what makes doing a study so difficult because it's not just the, the chemical that you have to look at. It's the entire picture. And because there are so many different variations on it, it's hard to draw any hard conclusions, especially this early on. So, uh, we don't know what kind of health hazards there could be using e-cigarettes. Uh, and we don't even technically know whether or not, I mean, you know, medically conclusively research wise, we don't know whether e-cigarettes actually help people quit smoking. Yes, there is a lot of uh, conflicting reports out there. There are, I should say, a lot of conflicting reports out there that that state whether or not they are helpful for people who are trying to quit. Some of them say uh, absolutely. Some of them say absolutely not. And they should not ever be marketed that way. So it's it's, it's lots of conflicting information. Uh, um, yeah. There's also been some research indicating that these things aren't necessarily as safe as they're being marketed as. Mm-hmm. Um, some studies have shown diminished lung function, airway resistance and cellular changes that may lead to lung cancer in people who use e-cigarettes. And it may even be that those devices are releasing stuff into our lungs that that normal cigarettes wouldn't, like uh, metals. Yeah, you know, that's that's not good stuff. Or other or, or other byproducts. Yeah, exactly. And also, when you get down to it, even if uh, even if we say that maybe these health hazards, maybe studies will bear out over time that it's it's not as big a concern and that they are in fact safer than cigarettes, and maybe even that they help you in the long run get rid of that addiction. Here's the thing. If you're using those nicotine cartridges, you're still delivering a dose of a highly addictive substance to your your bloodstream. And that addiction creates that physical and psychological craving that you feel necessary to to uh, appease on a regular basis. So uh, people who would think, oh, I want to try this out because it, it it's safer and it looks like it's kind of kind of an interesting uh, cool, like it's blade. A novelty factor. It's a yeah. Blade Runner way ah. of smoking. Sure. Um, it turns out that you know you're, you're subjecting yourself to a very addictive substance that you could then you know develop a habit, and that can get pretty expensive. Uh, even if the health hazards are not that that great in the long run. Uh, also, you can develop a tolerance to drugs, which means you need to have more of whatever the uh the drug is in order for it to have the same sort of effect. Mm-hmm. Both physically and psychologically, and it is possible to overdose on nicotine. Yes. So this case, if you were to uh, get too much nicotine in your system too quickly, that stimulating effect of the drug quickly shifts into a depressant and you become a victim of nicotine poisoning. Now, the most common symptom of nicotine poisoning is vomiting. So that's not pleasant. But there are more serious symptoms that can also follow, including seizures, abnormal heart rhythms and fluctuating blood pressure. Uh, regular cigarettes might actually have the benefit over over e-cigarettes here because liquid nicotine, like we said earlier, can be you know ingested or absorbed through the skin. And as little as a tablespoon of of the liquid sold for e-cigarettes can could possibly kill an adult human person. Mm-hmm. Uh, calls to poison control centers regarding this kind of thing are on the rise from one per month in 2010 to as many as 215 per month in 2014 here in the United States. Yikes. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, mm-hmm. there are some possible benefits to nicotine as well. Yeah. Now, 
Uh, those benefits are pretty interesting. Uh, they may play a part in helping reduce the risk of developing things like Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's. Uh, it might be an effective treatment for depression, anxiety, and schizophrenia, but self-medicating is not a good idea. Right. This is the kind of thing that a professional would be prescribing to. Yeah, you. you would want to have a doctor overseeing this sort of thing so that you make sure you have the right amount of the active ingredient. So that's one of those things, again, getting off on a little bit of a tangent here. Uh, but the idea that, you know, you're going through a very specific prescribed amount that is uh, geared to helping you as opposed to taking something that may or may not have that right amount. You could be over medicating or under medicating. Mm-hmm. That's neither of those options are good. And the chances of you hitting exactly what you need when you need it are low. So see a doctor is what we're saying. <laughs> rather but, but than before you start trying to do that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, now, as we're recording this podcast right now, there are actual debates going on in the Senate about whether e-cig manufacturers are aiming at younger customer bases. And this is similar to a controversy that has happened in the past about cigarette companies, traditional cigarettes, uh, using cartoon characters with their products as part of a advertising campaign. Uh, right. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the history of tobacco and legislation mm-hmm. at this point, because it's really interesting. And, and it comes back into e-cigarettes in just a moment here. So, OK, medical research linking negative health effects to tobacco use goes all the way back to like 1939. That's when the first studies started being published about it. Mm-hmm. Um, tobacco products had to have warning labels on them starting in 1966. Mm-hmm. And as as part of this general push that was happening here in the U.S. at the time, uh, we're, we're talking all about the U.S. in this in this section because yep. we're from the United States. Yep. Uh, other countries have perhaps a similar timeline with vaguely different results here and sure. there. But at any rate, um, in 1971, cigarette television and radio commercials were outlawed here when Nixon signed the Cigarette Smoking Act into law. At the time, tobacco was the leading product category that was featured in television commercials. Wow. And I remember hearing radio commercials for, for cigarettes. Like If you ever listen to any old radio programming where they oh, incorporate... Oh, so much. Yeah. yeah. That it was almost always it was it was a soap or a cigarette or some form of hair product. <laughs> um, the, the the use of cartoon characters to market tobacco products wasn't banned until the 1990s or early 2000s. But that was that wasn't legislation as much as it was a part of this multi hundred billion dollar settlement that the entire tobacco industry came to in a series of lawsuits that were levied at it by state governments looking for reparation for health care costs. Yeah, it was one of those things where they said, well, we're already going to have to pay all this money. We don't want to fight this battle about whether or not we're marketing to kids. And when we're talking about the e-cigs marketing to kids, remember when I mentioned all those flavors? Mm-hmm. There are senators who are saying things like you should not be marketing certain types of flavors because they are flavors that are appealing specifically to children. Things like candy flavors. Like cherry and cotton candy and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And uh, part, of, part of the reason that all of my goth friends were really upset in the early 2000s was that stuff like clove cigarettes were outlawed. Uh, you know, that was part of that legislation, part of that settlement mm-hmm. that prevented that was hoping to prevent youth from picking up this habit or tobacco companies from marketing to youth. And and e-cigarettes, right, are not under the same restriction. And there's a growing number of commercials for them on the air. So a lot of detractors are suggesting that tobacco companies are going to start using 
this market to, to get younger generations addicted to mm-hmm. their products. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, the tobacco industry is officially getting into the e-cigarette market. Uh, camel maker Reynolds American is taking its Views brand e-cigarette to the national market starting June 23rd of 2014. We're recording this podcast, by the way, on June uh, 19th. And Marlboro maker Newmark will have its own uh, called Mark 10 out by the end of the year. Now, the FDA is still debating about whether or not it will start to impose regulations and oversee things like e-cigarettes. I thought that was kind of weird that that debate's still going on, because ultimately, again, you're talking mainly about a delivery system for nicotine, which is a known drug. So I would think that would be a uh, something that would easily fall under the purview of the FDA. But what do I know? Uh, lots of states, though, have already started imposing regulations on e-cigarettes. As of June of 2014, 38 states have restricted the sale of e-cigarettes by by age. Mm-hmm. You know, kids can buy them like a five year old couldn't walk up to the counter. But what age that is depends from state to state. Mm-hmm. Um, a few states have banned the use of e-cigarettes anywhere that regular cigarettes are banned. And some states have even started taxing e-cigarettes, although I think Minnesota is currently the only state that's doing so at a comparable rate to that of regular cigarettes. Right. So again, the other thing we're ending here is that using e-cigs to to get yourself uh, off of smoking regular cigarettes may or may not work. We don't know. The The studies are inconclusive mm-hmm. and it and we just don't know. So uh, it may sound like a lot of the stuff we've been saying have all been negatives about e-cigarettes, but really what we're saying is that we don't have enough information to draw any conclusions one way or the other. It would be it would be premature for us to say e-cigarettes are purely bad and no one should use them. It would also be equally premature for us to say e-cigarettes are a much safer alternative to any other type of smoking. And if you're trying to get off smoking, it's a great way of of doing that. Uh, we just can't say those things. And and science can't say those things yet. You know, if you're an adult and you're a smoker and you are trying to stop smoking, then because we love you and we want you to continue listening to this show for years and years and years to come, mm-hmm. we congratulate you. Yes. Um and and if you're trying to use e-cigarettes to do that, then we if that is your method, then we wish you the absolute best. And yes. it may very well work for you. We uh, just can't say one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, but just as a consumer, you know, always always try to be intelligent about your decisions and yep. and listen to science when you can. Yep, I right, agree. Right now, I'm hoping very much that, that science will get on it. Yeah, me too. And and have a, a really more definitive answer for these questions so that people can make responsible choices. Yeah. That's, that's ultimately what we want. So uh, thank you so much for writing in and asking us the question. Remember, if you guys have any suggestions for future episodes, maybe there's some other technology, and you've always wondered, well, what the heck is the story behind that? Let us know. Send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. Our handle at all three is techstuffhsw. Our mythical email address should be techstuff at howstuffworks.com. That, that should be kicking in any day now, I we are told. The more frequently I bring it up like that, the more likely someone will be uh, motivated to make sure it happens. Um, but yes, we are going, we are still working on that. Uh, and who knows? Maybe now it's working. Give it a shot. Send an email. Text up at howstuffworks.com. Find out what happens. Let us know on Twitter if you don't hear a response. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 